0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church sermon podcast. This is season two with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our new Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word.
1: Hey, turn your Bibles to Daniel 9. I hope that what we have been singing this morning becomes an increasing reality for you. That is that... You see the supremacy of Christ, you see it more in your life, you see it more all the time, and it becomes something not that you've heard in church, something that you say out loud, but something that's true in your life and experience. And friends, we know it. we need it more than we've ever needed it. We live in these kind of days. So we go through the book of Daniel, we've been singing very often for these nine weeks or so about this king, what he's like, because that's what we see in this book, and he has not changed, right? Amen. So I will say this, uh, thanks for praying, some of you know, I don't know how clearly put this, but I've done two trips this September, uh, I'll be generic in the countries, but, but Central Asia, and then uh, just yesterday I was in Ukraine with some of our top leaders and came over, and I got to tell you, the Lord is doing amazing things in this pandemic, so again, the people that I work with, they're all, they're all Muslim background, where's Carol, she said something really sweet to me. Sorry, I won't. Okay, don't look at Carol. <laughs> Carol just, no, she, Carol made a comment that was just so beautiful. She said, you know, this is the first church I've been in. I've been in a couple of my lifetime. And, you know, that you, you read the Bible, then you explain what it says, as opposed to read it, jumping off and saying whatever you want. And I said, yeah, and, you know, that's what we're doing overseas too. That's what we're teaching and training people to do. So, again, people from a Muslim country, the first trip, okay, you never know what you can do in this pandemic, Rules change all the time. It just It's like crazy, but God doesn't change. He opens and closes doors. So we're in this um, this one country in Central Asia. I got brothers from another country doing a lot of the training with me, and we're studying the book of Habakkuk, which we preached, like, I don't know, two or three years ago. I can't remember now. Um, really short book, and it, it's actually written about a time period very similar to Daniel's, and they're like, Oh it's right before the Chaldeans come. And like Habakkuk's going his people God's people have totally forsaken God and Habakkuk's broken by it and he goes like Lord how long how long is this going to go on won't you bring justice and God basically says I'm going to do something you can't believe. I'm going to send the Chaldeans to come and judge you. He's like so God answers him and it's not the way he wants. He's like he's just broken but as he listens to God and God speaks of the discipline that's going to take place. Habakkuk just quieted before the Lord and all his complaints, he finally shuts his mouth and at the end, oh, I, this is one of Kai's favorite verses. Sorry, <laughs> I thought of it right now. Think, anyway, the, the end of it's like amazing where he says, man, even if there isn't any uh, tree in the vine, a sheep in the stall, yet I will wait patiently for the Lord. And he speaks of God becoming the joy of his salvation so much that he is, his feet feel light and he could, like he can dance on mountaintops like a deer. That's what happens in him. So one of the guys, we're, we're at the end, and one of the guys just says, he just tears all over his face. He says, "I didn't know why you had us read this book. I don't like the prophets." Got a couple, couple here that can, can resonate. I don't like the prophets. I read this book. This is judgment for Israel. It's for the Chaldeans, and I'm reading this, and then we're studying, and I realize this book's for me, and it's really about God changing Habakkuk, and I needed that kind of a change. And you just talked about how difficult it is as a pastor there, and what what's been going on, and different things. I needed the same change and to trust God. And he just was, I mean, it's like confession. He just weeps. Habakkuk's become my friend in all this. It was, it was just beautiful. God met us wonderfully. And then the last trip that I just came back from, we were taking our, our top leaders, the whole idea when we do missions. It's not about, it's about him, but it's not Americans who are driving it. So we work underneath nationals, praying for God to raise up nationals. So I got these guys from all these Central Asian countries. So I'm kind of moving to the coaching seat, and uh, we do some stuff, and then they do. So we we're, we were bringing them in. I, I got some pictures I'd love to show you. These guys praying over a map, Here's the places we're doing training. Here's the guys we're bringing in. I mean, stuff I never, I never, I, some of I didn't know. They all signed the map and we're, we got these, we're praying over it. And um, we sat in the mornings in some exposition about Esther. So Esther, as you know, is one of the books in the Bible. It never, ever mentions the name of God. Actually, Martin Luther wasn't sure he wanted it in the Bible, but um, it just never mentions God's name. But God's hand is all over it. And it feels like a time when the people are going, like, where, where are you, God? And so we, I got to preach one of the sermons, an uh, Ethiopian guy. So, I mean, you know, Ethiopia's had the gospel a lot longer than the U.S. You know that? I mean, like, we weren't even known. as. <laughs> so preaching, uh, he was preaching, a Polish guy. It was just, it was wonderful seeing that. So thanks for your prayers. I want you, why do I tell you that? The king in all his beauty. We had a God who sits on the throne. Doesn't matter what's going on all over, all the rankering. Kings come and go, you know that? He's building his kingdom, he's building it right here, and um, he's not fretting. He's not fretting. So I hope we come into this word right here today, it'll encourage us, because we need this word, it's true in Daniel's day, and it's true in ours. All right, we ready? I got a title, I think. Do we have a title? Oh, we got it, okay. Um, Oh, you know what, I'm going to say this too. So I know, you, were were people here when you made announcements? Some. Some. I heard Jim whistled. Jim, thanks for opening up Nancy's for us. So you got lunch plans. We're going to Nancy's for lunch. We've done this fundraiser for a while. Um, do you know what's going on tonight at 6 o'clock? Meeting. You, see, you're an elder. You can't speak. You can't, like, you can't, you can't, huh? You're actually the moderator. Like, if you're not here, we're in big trouble. Okay. Yeah, there is, so... We bump the members meeting back and forth, so you don't have to be a member to come, but there's some things you're going to hear. So we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, elect our, our new elders for the next season. You're also going to hear report uh, as we've been going through this pastoral transition. I think you're going to hear some things. We had a consultant come in last year, invested money in it. You're going to hear some things that will really encourage you. And so if you call this your, your church, we don't put it out in a written report, just come for that. I think you'll be encouraged by it. So both campuses will be meeting here. You know what's going on? Don't speak. You guys, (laughs) do you know what's going on Saturday morning? Thank you. Thank Taylor that you would say that. That makes me smile. So TM4L is training men for life. And I forget, does Miki know the subject? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, Mike? What's the subject for, for Saturday? The nature of the church. Nature of the church. So, actually, we got to we're unpacking a few things, um, guys. Just be. Is that one at Sawyer? Yes. Okay. So to be here, it's seven o'clock Michigan time. A.M. A.M. Thank you. Yeah. And by the way, I am a little jet lag, so anytime I misspeak, feel free to interrupt me. Um, And just correct something that I I say today. So you want? Why do I I just highlight those things? Because it's kind of one of those things. I've had a bunch of guys go like, "Oh, I missed it." Well, it's no good saying afterwards you missed it. So I'm telling you ahead that you missed it. So you come because you don't want to miss it. That I, I think Saturday morning we don't do a lot of these. It's really worthwhile. You grow in your walk with God and fellowship, and that's why we're here, right? Just think about the thing that we get. Once a week, we get to gather together and meet like this. We need encouragement from God's word. I need it. I need singing with people. It reminds me what's true when I go through the week. It's just like, man, I get lost. That's the beauty of this regular gathering. All right, that was all introduction. I don't know what that was, but here's kind of the theme of that. When a nation experiences judgment, Daniel seeks God's word in prayer. So... Let me give um, some reminders of how this book is written, some gentle introduction. I'm going to read the first part of the text. So some of you tracked with us all the time. All the stuff's online also. But Daniel's kind of divided up into two sections. The first part, we kind of call it historical narrative. The second part's all these visions. But there's more to it than that. In the first part, even in the historical narrative, I mean, there's dreams and visions, right? Nebuchadnezzar has them. There's the handwriting on the wall. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. But there, all of the, revel- the dreams and visions come to kings who need interpretation. The last half are these particular dreams and visions that come to who? They come to Daniel. So it's very different in how they are. And so these are specific messages to Daniel. But the, we, talk, we call this the melodic line. The theme through the whole book, it remains in that. They all come under this. As kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the eternal king who rules over all. So remember, Daniel serves under five different kings. He lived a long time. Three different kingdoms. So you think we get political turnover. I mean, he's, he's all that stuff. And in all that's going on, there's one eternal king. And the call to God's people is you remain faithful. And it's showing who God is and what he's going to do. So the context here, again, remember, that the people that Daniel's part of, the Jewish people, they have forsaken God. They've totally turned away for generations after generations. And they're actually experiencing God's discipline. Where Jerusalem has been devastated, people have been captive, and taken in exile. Many people killed. And Daniel was taken as a young person. He's in exile. He's living in a foreign land. Now, in his faithless, God's risen him up to a, a position of, uh, um, of leadership and all that. But the people, the people that he's joined to, the people that have the scriptures, they've totally left God. And this is really a period of discipline. So we're going to read the first 19 verses in a moment. But here's what I want you to note. This particular vision is unique in all of them. In the whole book, it's unique. Because here, the vision comes in response to Daniel's praying and fasting. So God sends Gabriel as a messenger to tell him some things. Why is Daniel praying and fasting? Is this something he always does? Maybe. Uh, By the way, you'll note this. um, The first verse says in the first year of Darius... So how many of you were here for the Daniel 6 sermon, Daniel and the Lion's Den? This event happens before that one. So they're not written necessarily in chronological order. So in this event, there's a praying and fasting of Daniel. Now in Daniel 6, we see that he's got these regular rhythms at least three times a day he's been doing so. But this vision has come to him before chapter 6. Why is he praying and fasting? Well, this this text will tell us something. Daniel's been reading his bible. That is, he's been reading the scrolls. He's been reading the prophet Jeremiah. And God told Jeremiah something and he says it. So we're going to look at it more deeply. And Daniel's praying because of what God said to Jeremiah. And Daniel quotes he's he's thinking of what God has said to Moses in Deuteronomy. So I, I'm just going to note it to you, it'll be in the text, but you can't miss it. So he talks about Jeremiah, he talks about the law, that it's God's word that prompts Daniel, stirs him up to be praying the kinds of things that he's praying. So I would say this, what, what this chapter is really about, I'm trying to put it in the context of the whole book, Daniel was inspired by God's promises and God's mercies to, or, and God's character to seek God's mercy on behalf of this exiled nation. So for us, it would be this. We should think of it this way. God's promises and character should encourage us to seek his mercy at any time, uh, especially the worst of times. And we see this in Daniel. His character and his promises. So his promises, remember, it's what God has said. Here's the things that he said. This should be instructive for us. That's so why I want to know his word, what has God said, and his character, what he's like, how how he acts. So I'll try to, so what I'd like to do is put, this is where this is kind of going today, and I want to put it out there so we kind of see it, because there's a lot of details. Um, how many of you were at Mike's class this morning? Oh, awesome, good. So I love it, that when you guys get there, you get in some of the details ahead of time. Let's, um, let's read the first 19 verses. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books, notice, the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. I'm going to just pause right there. So if you want to put in your notes probably did this, write down Jeremiah 25. If you read verses 11 and 12 there, the Lord told Jeremiah that the the time period this would take place in terms of the the destruction of Jerusalem and that he he calls it 70 years. That's where that is. So he's been reading that, verse 3. After reading it, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleased for mercy with fasting fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we've sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside from your commandments and rules. To our kings, princes, fathers, because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we've rebelled against him. And if not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. I just want to note this. Note he's saying all Israel... Yet Daniel, doesn't he appear to be a person who's walking with God? And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we've sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole of heaven, there's not been anything like what has been done against Jerusalem as it's written in the law of Moses, this is Deuteronomy, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we've not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning away from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works that he's done, and we've not obeyed his voice, and now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt, with a mighty hand and made a name for yourself. What's he doing right there? He's recalling God's saving acts in the past. Here's what you're like. You've made a name for yourself. As at this day, we've sinned and done wickedly. We've forgotten. We've walked away from it. Oh Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jerusalem and your people... We've become a byword among all around us. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Jerusalem's been destroyed. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. This is important. But because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Let's pray. Lord, you have designed that this particular day in September we would be here in Daniel 9. And only you knew who would be in this building or who would be online listening. Lord, help us to hear you. Doesn't matter whether Pastor Mike's preaching or me or Pastor Rob or Joe or we need to hear from you. So I pray that you would Help me in these moments and help us to listen to you and that your word would be alive and active in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's a lot here. I'm going to try to walk through this in a couple minutes and hit the, uh, the high points. Why does Daniel read scripture? Why is he reading it? Why is he praying and fasting? (laughs) Katrina says to know God, that's pretty good. I mean, the text doesn't tell us, but here's, he's there. And it's a really difficult time for his people. Hey, how many of you are not busy? Raise your hand. Thanks, Zion. You doing schoolwork? Miki, I like that. The couple school kids, your parents think, no. Most of us, we don't raise our hands on not busy. How many feel like you are pretty busy? How many feel like you, you kind of got a lot of responsibilities? How many feel like it, it's just like compounding? It's more now than it used to be before. And it, you didn't think it was going to be that way. I think that's the way most of life is gone. Do we sometimes let our responsibilities or all the things we have to do, crowd got out? Yeah. Do you think Daniel had immense responsibilities? You look at the, not just responsibilities in terms of the things that he gets called into action as we walk through this book, but there's moments of of compromise or death and he stays in it. Why is Daniel reading God's word? I think he knows I need to know God. And I wonder about myself and us. And how easily I get distracted from that which I already know. Here's the other thing is, I need rhythms, I need reminders. The beauty of gathering as a church is that every Sunday we have this time to gather and be encouraged. To be around another brother or sister. To be prayed for or to pray for somebody. Monthly we take the Lord's Supper reminding ourselves of his death and resurrection. I need reminders. His words are round. I need that in me. Does your news feed feed your soul? Does the, what's going on anywhere, internet, does it feed your soul? We know all this. Why is Daniel doing it? Daniel, I think Daniel knew he needed God and it's in a really dark season in terms of the entire nation. And our nation, high point, low point spiritually. Thank you. It's not a high point. We need him. There is something strongly that admonishes my soul when I see this guy and what he's doing. Now I, I won't I won't I'm not gonna I would love to have time to go through all these passages and I'm not. So let me just say this. If you're a note taker, want to follow this more, just email the office. The email address is in the worship guide and you can get my notes. Because I want to I want to look at I'm gonna look at um, verses eleven to thirteen and I don't That I don't think I even gave these to you. So look in your own Bibles. I don't have them up here. This is this is one of the things that prompts Daniel's prayer. He says, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice, and the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured upon us. That seems like a weird phrase. The curse and the oath that was written in the law of Moses? That's the first five books. It's been poured out on us because we've sinned against him. He's confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity for under the whole of heaven has not been done anything like what's been done against Jerusalem. Verse 13, as it's written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, underline, yet we've not intrigued the favor of our Lord God turning aside from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. That might sound like a really heavy statement. I want to explain it to you. And I'm going to refer you to Deuteronomy 28 through 32. So if you want to understand the prophets and what's going on, read Deuteronomy 28 to 32. And I'm going to walk you through some high points of it right here. But it'll really help you understand what's going on in Israel. Basically, Deuteronomy, it's the second law. Meaning this, it happens right before the people come into the promised land. So you remember how the um, as God pulls them out of Egypt, um, they've really been living in a polyistic culture. So they, they don't even know who God is. That's part of the plagues and all this and part of what happens in the wilderness. They see who God is. He's teaching them through the tabernacle who he is, how holy he is. Remember that that first group of people, they still rebelled against him. They're complaining, God gives them manna and they want to change a diet. They want a different menu. And they're actually going like, we're better off in Egypt. They were enslaved. And so God basically says, and and remember they turn Moses up on the mountain and they turn to worship a golden calf. And Aaron says, yeah, this is who brought you out of Egypt. And God's already been leading them with a pillar of fire. He's been so merciful to them, they turn away. So God says, I'm wiping out this generation. You are not going in the promised land. You're going to see it, you're not going in. But the generation that's born there, or children that heard and saw these things, that's the generation that comes in. So they wandered for 40 years. And Deuteronomy, when you read the Old Testament, you go like, dude, I read this in Exodus. Because it's being repeated to the new generation. That's that's Deuteronomy is like the second law. That, that's what's happening. So in that, in chapters 28 to 32, he's reminding them of some things. So when you come into chapter 8, God basically says this. It's one called, it's the blessings and the cursings. If you follow me, I am going to bless you like you cannot believe. And he goes through all these different things. And he says, and if you don't, if you disobey, you're going to experience the consequences. These are the cursings you're going to experience. And they're really long and they're really scary and they're supposed to be. So they go like, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. Why would I do that if that's what God says? This is what he's referring to. So God actually says, if you turn away from me, I'm going to take another nation. Another nation is going to come and get you. He's going to wipe you out. He's going to scatter you among the nations. That's what happened in Daniel's day. That's what he's referring to. God God did exactly what he said. So chapter 9, he's renewing his promise. I'm, I'm still in Deuteronomy. He's renewing his promises to them. Then you get to chapter 30. He says, listen, if you fall away over here, but you return, I'm bringing you back. That's why here in Daniel, he says, all these things have happened, yet we've not entreated the favor of the Lord. God made it really clear. But if you just turn and come back, that's the, you guys, that's the gospel, okay? It's right there's the gospel. All the time, we have this propensity in ourselves to live for ourselves. Not him, and so we, we turn away. But the gospel calls us back. Just come back. We, we live under this performance mentality and think like, oh, I haven't done enough, or I've messed up this way. And God does not love us because of what we've done. He loves us because we're His and because of His Son. Now I'll get to this later because He talks about steadfast love and covenant. But it's really important. Religion is this thing where God loves us because of what I do. That's not how God is. The religions of the world act that way. Jesus doesn't. It's radically different. Radically different. So anyway, he says, if you come back, I'll, I'll bring you back. That's chapter, beginning of 30 of Deuteronomy. And then he says, he says, so choose. Choose what you're going to do. Because here it comes. Super clear. And they're living it out. And he's reading it. just saying, God. He wants the nation to return, and he's calling out God's mercy. Daniel realizes this, that God is doing exactly what he said. Now, we get to Jeremiah, which he, I I just stopped that in the reading, where he calls out Jeremiah. He recognizes there in Jeremiah that God actually set a time limit on how much discipline will be going on in Israel, that it was 70 years in terms of the desolation, what would happen. So, if you read your Bibles, um, Ezra, which we haven't done that series yet, it's just after this time period where, where the Cyrus the king, who's the one after Darius, says, I mean, he gets a word from him to go back and rebuild the temple. I mean, God uses a pagan king to send them back to rebuild it, but that's the next part of the story. So, Daniel realizes God set a time limit. Friends, when God disciplines, he's not being punitive. He disciplines the children he loves to wake us up to what is actually true. The worst thing is to let us just go. If he lets us just go, as we just did Proverbs, it's down a slope of spiritual death, of soul death. And left to ourselves, that is where we will go. So there's a little gospel statement there about turning. All right, Daniel's prayer. Let's look at this. It's a really good pattern for us in terms of repentance. It's worthy of study. So I'm just going to note a couple things. Uh, verse 3, uh, Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. This is a way they would humble themselves. Um, so I just, I'll, I'll just speak of that part of it. It's a continual theme through the Bible that God will take the proud and bring them low. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? I mean... <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar actually gets a warning a message from God about this and Daniel tells it remember he gets that vision and Daniel says this is what's going to happen you know if you don't and a year later to that Nebuchadnezzar goes look at this kingdom all that I've done and that's when he goes crazy and has a mind like an animal and then he gets humbled before God and repents and God brings him back God is continually taking the proud and bringing them low taking the humble and raising them up He does it all the time. He's done it throughout all history. Old Testament, New Testament, he does it today. The most significant thing about you is not your accomplishments. The most significant thing, if it's true for you, is that you're a child of God. You belong to him. And when you belong to him, (laughs) you know that phrase, I'm good? It's not a statement of moral character. It's like, I'm okay. And if you know you belong to him, I mean, kingdoms rise and and go, come and go. When I know I belong to him, I'm okay. In the fiery furnace, in the den of the lions, whatever it is for you. It's a true thing. It's very true. And Daniel, he's humbled himself before God, yet he's confident in the Lord. So humility is not groveling. But humility is coming to God and all our brokenness and being honest about it and honest about our need. It's just being raw and honest before him. You're the one I need. We sang it. You're the one I need in coming and talking to him honestly about what's there as opposed to trying to figure it out on our own. Friends, I'm not making a prophetic word here, but I think the church in our country has a reorienting that God's doing. There's a little bit of judgment upon us because we have, we've put a lot more stock in politics than prayer. We've missed the boat in a lot of ways for a long time. That's been it. We, we, we've put our solutions this or this or this, and I don't care which political party you vote for. We've put in other things other than prayer and truly seeking God, and I think there's an aspect of we, did, we need to repent and confess. It's very interesting in this in Daniel I I think I noted in the reading that he uses we language. He also uses personal language. But I think there's a part of that with us that would be very healthy, a humbling before the Lord. And I don't know how your prayers go with him, and I don't know how you think about things, but I think it's too often for us to pray about or against this decision happening politically or that decision happening politically or that one. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about those things, but I think that's our attention as opposed to just recognizing We are far from God. The solutions we look for, it's not him. But that's that's our nature though. It just is our nature is always trying to figure things out our way, what makes sense to us. Unless we have a vision of God, a reality of who he is, great and mighty and merciful, and it's not just head, it really is. We won't seek him that way. And we all need it. Young and old, and I think that's one of, the, one of the things the Lord aims to do in the season in which we are in. Verse four, he describes God this way. Prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, oh Lord, great and awesome God, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So let me just describe this. Daniel is praying according to God's character and his promises, his actions. Great and awesome. No God can act like our God acts. He speaks of God's keeping his covenant and his steadfast love for those who love him and follow him. So I want to explain this a certain way. I started a little bit. Think about your children. If you have them or have had them, Do you love your child because they are obedient to you? Ugh. That would cut a couple people out, wouldn't it? No, I love them because they're mine. So where is this? He keeps his his steadfast love for those who love him and obey him. So here's where people get this backwards. God's love is not dependent upon um, our obedience. Steadfast love, the Hebrew words have said, covenant love. So God... Oh, this is actually in Deuteronomy 28 to 32. He says, "Like I didn't, I don't love you because like you're better people than those guys over here. I chose to love you. I put my name on you. It's not because you're greater or better. I chose that. Your child. Well, this might be a revelation for some. Your child's not better than somebody else. That's not why you love them. You love them because they belong to you. That's God's love. Now, the response of a child to a like when they when they obey." I don't, that's like awesome, isn't it? That any, isn't that like, that's like, wow, because we know how rare that, no, that's not true. <laughs> it's like, yes, so obedience is the response of love. That's how Jesus writes it. So it's very important. God's love for us is not dependent upon our good performance. That is against the gospel. Very clear, as this goes on, there's no unrighteous. Let's just say we know that. That's why we can come, and we should come all the time often because our Father loves us, and nothing can change that. It's the end of Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, nothing. Not, Not even our own mess, not even the decisions that I willfully made. When the Holy Spirit pricks our heart, let's come back and come back hard. It is not to excuse sin, but obedience comes out of response For the mercy of God, I can't believe who you are and what you've done. We don't, we can never perform enough for him. Does that make sense? We talk about that a lot, but that's, it just isn't the gospel. So he speaks of God's character in that kind of a way. Ooh, okay. All right, let's go this way. You know, it's a problem when you're preparing a sermon on a plane on the way home and over overseas too. Uh, okay. Well, let me say this: the we language is really important. And in Daniel, he recognizes a wake-up call of God. We certainly should see this pandemic at least as that. Okay, whatever you think about political people, whatever you think about what's real or unreal, you cannot disconnect that from the sovereign hand of God, can we? You can't. So I don't, whatever he's doing, we ought to be asking him. And I think there's, things, there's always things about his glory and his people aiming that way and being changed that way. The way Paul writes it in Philippians 2 is, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who's at work in you, for his glory as which you for the dark world in which you shine like stars. One version is like lights in the world, in the darkness. That's how we're supposed to be. This call to faithfulness as kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the eternal king who rules over all. That's a call to us. It's in this book. Because he is. He's a God who's merciful. That, a God who can forgive is a powerful God. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. And we know it. We should live that. And we should live it humbly, not in judgment upon someone else. We should pray for awakening where it is as we seek his mercy. All right. So Daniel, the the way this ends is God sends Gabriel to Daniel. Daniel's praying. You'll notice in verse 20 and 21, he says, While I was still praying, Gabriel shows up. God sends a messenger. I don't know if this has happened for you. But when you're praying, God answers. So prayer is this conversation with God. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know, but listen while you pray, because he will do this. I remember, I've told this story before. I remember very profoundly when I'm in college, I'm walking across Clark Avenue, Chicago Clark, Chicago Clark intersection, walk across Clark Avenue. I never felt this way in my life. I'm married and an extrovert. I am not. I'm that other guy. There's a stranger, don't talk to strangers. There's a stranger for her, they become her friend like in 10 seconds, okay? We're just like, so I'm walking across the street and for whatever, I felt like, God, can I just share Christ with somebody? I just felt, I don't know, I, it was weird because that's not me. But I'm walking across the intersection and as I'm walking across, just having this quiet conversation, a guy comes up and interrupts me while I'm praying. Get my, I'm thinking like he's interrupting and I realize God's answering the prayer right then. In pretty incredible conversation on in the corner. God does this all the time. He do, he's done this to you while you pray. You're praying about something and, the, and that thought comes. That's the Holy Spirit. He does it all the time if our prayer is really a conversation with him and we're tuned in. So he, Gabriel gets this answer. Now again, we'll spend more time on the prophecy or whatever in the next, I think next week we do chapters 10 and 11. So read it ahead because it's a lot of verses and I'm not reading it here. Um, but a lot of people focus on who's this king and who's this kingdom. It, the whole point is Jesus wins, okay? All the rest of them are coming and going. There's this stuff that's gonna happen. And so be ready, he's gonna win. But he, Gabriel comes and gets to tell us some things to come. But from this chapter, the main thing we should walk away with this God's promises and his character, that should encourage us to seek his mercy anytime, all the time, the worst of times. So what's the worst of times in your life? Maybe they're past, maybe they're present. Can you go to your father with that? What, why might you be able to? I don't think we will if we don't realize who he is. He's a kind father. He's good. He's eternal. He loves you. He sent Jesus. The fact that he sent his son to die for us is the most profound expression of love there is. And his mercy is not based upon our goodness. It's just him. Sometimes God humbles us. It's not because he's being mean. We need to be. I've, I've said this before. I had a difficult season of life some years back, and I, God humbled me. I mean, I was, I was desperate for him. I didn't know if I was going to make it through a day, some of those days. And it was, the, it was kind of him. It didn't matter the circumstances. When you look at the circumstances, you can blame something else. But you have to. God, what, there was things that happened inside me. He was closer and more intimate than ever in my life. It's important. If you go through a difficult season, the point is turn to him because he does love you. And being humbled by him is not a mean thing. It's a good thing if we'll go. Pride will keep me from going. Pride will have me give explanations or, or I, I look at other things I get mad at. Being humbled before God is a good thing. We'll listen the closest then. His word will become very precious then. And we'll meet him as he is. It's who our God is. So let me close with this and we'll pray. I'll have the worship team to come up. I just ask you this. How would our Father in heaven want you to respond to this word today? To who he is to what he's like when you think of all that was going on for Daniel and what he desired to do. Let's pray. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it be silent for a minute and you just talk with the Lord and then I'll pray. Lord, I know there's some pretty heavy things in this particular chapter that we're in, but I know, also know it's full of your mercy and forgiveness. There is not a person in this room who does not need that. I need that. And I pray, Lord, that for each one, the ones you you know us here, that you would open us up to you, to who you are, and right now the various things in our life that need that, that need you. I want to thank you again for your word, for your faithfulness, that even as the word From Jeremiah, the word to Moses spoke to Daniel. May this word speak to us in our day and that you do your work right here as we give you thanks. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church, and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.